0: Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing eastern and western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author Author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health. So happy you could join us, and thank you for all of your support. Um, this is also available via podcast on all major podcasts, and uh, we are thankfully uh, part of the Vell family, helping to bring this show to you. And. Um, if you haven't downloaded your app, it is Vel Health, and um, you can find that on all app platforms. We are now with Mr. Paul Romness, founder and CEO of OS Therapies. We were introduced by uh, a mutual friend and someone who is a big proponent for health-related um, uh, things. And, and anyway, I got to uh, attend a talk the other day, which really enlightened me, and I wanted to share this with you all. OS therapies, uh, the OS in OS therapy stands for osteosarcoma. Osteo is in bone and sarcoma is, a, I guess, malignant tumor, uh, cancer, part of the cancer family of things that has really been a problem. And OS therapies are championing the cause of hopefully getting rid of this and providing treatment, f- especially for kids, for children. Um, none of us, especially those of us who are parents, want to think of any of our children ever being diagnosed with any type of cancer. However, this one, we're going to talk about the seriousness of it and the research which is leading to the treatment of it. So thank you for joining us, Mr. Paul Romnes, founder and CEO of OS Therapies.
0: Thank you, Dr. Ken. It's a real honor. And as you mentioned, this is the disease, osteosarcoma, that predominantly occurs in teenagers. It is extremely deadly. Um, about 50% of the patients that get this uh, end up succumbing to the disease. And almost all of them are maimed with either losing a leg or an arm or um, getting some implants put into their limb to salvage their limb. And uh, it's really a personal mission. It happens not very often in kids in the United States, about 1,000 kids a year. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, it's the same incident. Uh, there are about 20,000 cases a year. But for the dog lovers uh, in your listening uh, group, there are thirty to 40,000 dogs a year in the United States that get osteosarcoma. And it turns out that osteosarcoma is the second leading uh, cause of death in large dogs after uh, automobiles. So, a really brutal disease. Happy to discuss it. Uh, hopefully, most of your listeners are not familiar with it, just because it is so brutally um, deadly. Uh, but happy to talk more about it with you, Doctor Ken.
1: Yes, and you know, the the thing about children having this is this. Do you see this ramping up? Is this something that has become more of an issue within the last decade or, or so, or is it has it always been there? And the awareness is what's becoming. Uh, more prevalent?
0: Well, we certainly hope the awareness is part of it. We do not see actually an increased incidence. It's interesting as opposed to most diseases that are either environmental or genetic. This does not seem to be either. It just happens to be that when the bone plates, the growth plates and the long bones come together, there's a miscalculation, and that happens 0.03 times 100,000 people. So that works out to about 1,000 cases a year. It's been the same incidence in the United States for as long as they've been keeping records. Uh, dinosaurs got this as well. Um, interestingly, elephants don't because they have an additional P53 gene that prevents osteosarcoma, so there's a lot of research being done in that space. The research we're doing and our clinical trial in, 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 in kids started last October. October 21st was our first patient at Seattle Children's Hospital, a 15-year-old boy. We're, tr- we're testing 39 to 45 patients, and we're giving them an attenuated or weakened listeria with a HER2 vector attached to it, which tells the body to stimulate the immune system. And within one hour of getting the injection of our therapy, the immune system fires up. We shut down the biological infection at hour four, but the immune response chugs on. And unlike the chemo and radiation that these kids have gone through for eight or nine months, uh, considered one of the worst regimens in cancer with cisplatin, doxorubicin, and methotrexate for nine months, this immunotherapy we're giving them, Gives them some slight chills, uh, chills and slight fever. So we know that it's it's reacting. We've had ten patients take this so far at the thirty nine to forty five, but it's nowhere nowhere like the side effects of the chemo that they're used to. It's very similar to the side effects you get when you if when and if you get your COVID vaccine. A uh, slight chills and fever. So we know there's an immune response. We're just gonna it's gonna take
1: a few months to find out whether it's working. Um. What is listeria and why listeria?
0: Listeria is known to the body as a very serious infection. It's what they call an ancient infection. And the body's immune system, which normally if you have a... a and this a, is a another, virus
1: or a bacteria? Or?
0: It's a, a it's a biologic infection. It's a live listeria. So it it's actually the way we transfer it and distribute it is through... Uh, ultra-cold chain, much like your COVID vaccine, um, but we also have, are making a batch that won't need to be cold-chained. But listeria is known to the body as a very serious biologic infection, and as a result, there's an intense uh, immune
1: response to this. Hmm. And and so it ramps up the production of white blood cells, which are fighter cells, and does all that sort of stuff. So it increases your immune system, in a sense, to fight off. Right. Things. As our
0: chief medical
1: officer, Dr.
0: Robert Pettit, who invented this in correlation with the research at the University of Pennsylvania some 16 years ago, uh, they've been trying to get this clinical trial started for eight years. Right. Uh, we started the company about four years ago. So getting that trial started last fall was really exciting for all of us. But as Dr. Pettit would say, it's just the immune system, only the immune system that can go from cell to cell, determining which is a good cell and which is a bad cell. Mm -hmm. And those white blood cells that you mentioned that we stimulated by giving that biologic infection are the weapons that go out and find these micrometastases that survived all that chemo and radiation, but they're looking just like in breast cancer, when you resect the breast and you blast the body with chemo and radiation, the the cancer doesn't come back to the breast, and osteosarcoma doesn't come back to the bone. Those little micrometastases that survive that chemo and radiation, they're quite Darwinian, they've actually changed, they've mutated as a type of their genetic makeup of their cancer. But they're looking for two things, oxygen and soft tissue. So when you have friends or loved ones where breast cancer comes back, it doesn't come back to the breast. It comes back to the lungs and the brain because these micrometastases are looking for oxygen and soft tissue. What we're trying to do with those T cells, stimulating those T cells, is kill those micrometastases before they land in the lungs and the brain. Got it. We also think if it works in osteosarcoma, that it will work in other solid tumors like breast cancer, like colorectal cancer, like, like esophageal cancer.
1: Right. Um. So when you, the I I understand the approach. What is setting OS therapies apart and making your therapies patentable, unique, and why isn't it been done before? You know, what, what's why are you so special?
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Ken. Um, you know, we started this company uh, as a mission to help uh, a buddy of mine's daughter, actually. Okay. Um, my daughter's best friend, who actually is uh, on the board of our company. And I always say, <laughs> I'm not a very good storyteller, Ken, and Dr. Ken, and then I tell the end of this story because she's doing great. Hmm. She's a uh, third year at UVA.
1: Thank God. Man. With my
0: daughter. Yeah. Uh, they're doing great. But, you know, we, before we started the company, we started a nonprofit. And of all the parents involved with the nonprofit, it is only her father and I that are involved that haven't lost a kid to this, have wow. not lost a child to this disease. Wow. And when we started the nonprofit, and then when we started the company, from the entire time, all I've said is we all do what we can do. And, uh, because it's it's a very daunting disease. There have been no new treatments in over 40 years. Okay. My background was in biotech and in pharma, and we, with the money we raised shaving our heads for St. Baldrick's, we brought together some key opinion leaders to really push them on the idea of genetic testing for osteosarcoma because it was so far behind. And at that meeting... Um, one of the doctors, Dr. Richard Gorlach, who's a uh, a sarcoma survivor himself from MD Anderson, put up a slide of the most promising new technologies and our future technology was on the top of the list. It just so happened that a week before I had read that the company that had licensed this technology from Penn was giving up this technology. And I knew why. It's because the low incidence rate. And, you know, biotech and pharmaceutical companies, have, they have a business to run, but our mission is first and foremost patients. So I knew why there was an opportunity to in-license that technology. Dr. Gerlach had confirmed that it was a really promising technology. Yeah. I met a bunch of the doctors. The next morning I sent eight of them an email saying, we're going to start a company. We're going to in-license this technology. Will you be on our scientific advisory board? Dr. Ken, I know you're busy and I'm busy, but these are the busiest people in the world. All eight, of them got,
1: yeah.
0: all eight of them got back to me that day. Okay. Six of them in the affirmative, and they were at the beginning of our scientific advisory board. Dr. Gorlock and Dr. Katie Janeway from Harvard said, you know, we're conflicted, but we can, we'll do a, whatever we can for you and they have they're incredibly responsive it just shows the support of the community our osteosarcoma community towards what we're trying to do
1: so you basically have this not ba- there's nothing basic about it but you assemble your war you know <laughs> your war council to go to fight against this horrible cancer and with any war there's a sense of urgency there's there's efficiency of using your weapons there's uh, strategic planning and so forth and so in attending your talk you know there was one thing that was brought up that really piqued my interest and uh... drove home the some of the unique attributes of of your research which was yes you can use the list area which is key to enhance the person's immune system and and obviously s- there there's reasons for choosing that particular biological um, uh, choice, but but what uh, biological infection choice? What I'm curious about, and what I'd like you to expand upon, is how do you target the osteosarcoma? And you kind of explained it with payload and. <laughs> you know, all this stuff, which again leads back to this whole war um, approach, you know, uh, fighting the good fight, being efficient, targeting the, the right targets. And so how do you do that when it comes to a biological, you know, effort?
0: Well, and I think it's important to remember, and it's part of our ethos, that our primary mission is osteosarcoma. When we started the company, we really only had that one technology, and we only had it uh, for that one indication of osteosarcoma. Um, What I think you're referring to is our second platform technology, which is called, uh, in the biotech world, an antibody-drug conjugate. And what it is is basically a cruise missile with cluster bombs attached to it, And they're connected by the silicone linkers, which is protected, our our intellectual property, it's our IP that is protected. And those silicone linkers are pH-sensitive. So the cruise missile can be directed to specific parts of the body with targeting ligands. And then it goes into a particular Cancerous environment. Uh, with that technology, we're actually starting with ovarian cancer, which is yet another unmet medical need. And the pH level in ovarian cancer is slightly lower than in the human body, which eats away at those linkers that then drop the payload. In this case, we're using a cytotoxin. It's known to kill cancers, but it's very specifically directed and uh we can drop those payloads right in and around the cancer, techn- uh, the the active cancer. We also believe we'll be able to use that technology once we prove it works in ovarian cancer, in osteosarcoma, colorectal cancer. Again, huge med- medical need uh, uh, indications. Mm-hmm. I'd love to say that in our war room, Dr. Ken, we were the brilliant ones by saying Hey, we've got all these other options. Let's go after osteosarcoma first. You know, if we weren't a mission-based company and if we weren't if osteosarcoma wasn't our primary mission, we probably would have been distracted by one of those other bigger cancers. And in the end, it would have not have been as successful a strategy as we've built. By going after osteosarcoma, we prove that our technology works because it's worked really well in dogs. It's been approved in dogs, and we're actually looking for a global animal health company to partner with us to take over that indication for canines and develop it. But we also know that we can get through the FDA very quickly with our clinical trial that we're doing right now. It's 39 to 45 patients. We started on October 21st. We've enrolled 10 patients already we believe will be fully enrolled by the end of June which is in the clinical trial world incredibly rapid and then we can pivot to that other technology and out licensing opportunities all to make sure that we're developing therapeutics for unmet medical needs.
1: Hmm. This sounds wonderful, it sounds meaningful, it sounds um, like you're on the right track, it also sounds very expensive. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that and, and that's the truth of this. You know, when you talk, when you hear on the news about, you know, big pharma, medium pharma, little pharma, whatever it is, they're always saying, well, you know, these drugs are expensive because the research is expensive, the clinical trials and this and that and the fees and so, so how are you running this and who's helping you and how is it working that you're able to do this in such a, Fast manner and such a efficient manner, and 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 now you have trials going on with people that are you know obviously getting better for it. Who who are the angels in that you know in the field?
0: What what a great question, Doctor Ken, because it is expensive. Um, You know when big pharma and big big bio come knocking on the door, we will have you know gotten through some proof of concept and some clinical trials and we will have proved if it, will, will, if it works or not. That's when they start coming around. But in between now and then, the funding comes from individuals. Uh, we are very efficient in what we do. We've raised about eight and a half million dollars. We've done all of this with only eight and a half million dollars. We've got about a million and a half to raise in this kind of A round. Uh, we're also looking to the venture capital world they are the kind of bridge financing for companies like ours before we go public and we are looking to go public in the next six months six to eight months because there's just so much good information uh, coming out of the company whether it's the clinical trials starting whether it's developing those uh, cruise missiles and getting through the toxicity trials and those with well, those 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 molecules that we synthesized are already going into animal models and it's testing the toxicity of those and so those are rodent studies and we'll know soon whether those work and and then we'll be able to start putting those into humans next year but between now and then there's opportunities for individuals uh, our website you can get in t- touch with me at www.ostherapies.com that's well, OS, OS
1: therapies, as in osteosarcoma therapies. Yeah,
0: OS therapies. dot com. We can give this out later too. But uh, there are opportunities to invest. There are opportunities to donate. There are over eight nonprofit company, uh, organizations that have invested in OS therapies. If you have a foundation or if you have a nonprofit that's interested in uh, research in, into ki- cancers or kids' cancers or kids' diseases. Uh, the nonprofits that have invested uh, at this point were at about eight. Um, the Tyler Trent Foundation just came in last week, um, but those com- those nonprofits take an equity position just like an investor does. Uh, there's a great example of um, phil- uh, venture philanthropy in the, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation put about 120 to $150 million into a company called Vertex because there were no treatments for cystic fibrosis. The Cystic Fibrosis Foundation a couple of years ago sold their royalty streams for $3.3 billion. That nonprofit can now use that money to not only treat but cure and prevent that disease. Hmm. And that's what we hope these nonprofits will do by benefiting from the equitable growth uh, of their investment in OS therapies and even if you know one of our arms fails and you know we've tried to mitigate the risk and and, and uh, diversify our efforts towards these diseases but they're still advancing science just by getting that clinical trial started last October 21st by the way the proudest day of
1: my professional life hmm. sounds like it should be <laughs> it sounds amazing <laughs> getting to that point hmm. um, you know I'm looking at this and it, and it all of the intelligence, all of the you know the the fight, the fight that you've had to, um, you know, wage against this uh, this horrible cancer and everything, you know, makes me think there might be someone listening right now, you know, a parent listening right now with a child, uh, that's been diagnosed with osteosarcoma, and they're thinking, oh, hope. However. How easy or hard is it to be part of the clinical trials? And is that even a possibility at this point? Or That's a will great it be
0: question. You, oh, absolutely. And, you know, we're actively enrolling the trial. Um, one of the organizations that help is helping us with the, the trials, the Children's Oncology Group. It's based out of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. But there are 14 sites for our trial open across the country right now, including St. Jude's. Uh, UT Southwestern, uh, Atlanta Children's, Johns Hopkins, UPMC, um, Seattle Children's, L.A. Children's, Rady Children's in San Diego, Minnesota, and uh, Colorado Children's in Denver. But if you go onto our website, there's a quick survey you can ask, and you'll be directed to the principal investigator at the location closest to you. Um, the enrollment has been very steady and very fast. Um, we really want to get the in- trial enrolled so we can see if this works.
1: Okay, I mean that's that's the important stuff because that's what's going to keep people engaged and hopeful and um, keeping their eye on this. Uh, the the other cancers you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, what would be the second if you had your your pick? What would be the second? Um, cancer that you would go after with this technology provided that everything goes smoothly and you become public and, the, you know, people are using this for osteosarcoma. What would be the second cancer that you would say, hey, let's let's turn our sights on that and go after that? So
0: what we're going to do as soon as we see, and if, if we have the funding, but as soon as we see any response in osteosarcoma, we will pivot to a, a larger phase three trial what they call a bundle trial of all comers of solid tumors. So if like breast cancer and osteosarcoma, any of the other solid tumors, uh, ovarian, colorectal, and you resect the cancer, and then you blast the body with chemo and radiation, it comes back to the lungs and the brain. What, that's where the survival rates drop off significantly. If we can get our treatment into these other cancers, uh, we could have a significant impact on other cancers, but as you and I spoke before, Dr. Ken, it is my life's work. Even if even if I were just to be part of this group of people that we've put together and get rid of chemotherapy or increase survival in just osteosarcoma, life check, right? Mm-hmm. Done, yeah. all good. Yeah. But if we can do it for other solid tumors. So there have been, there's been a lot of success in blood tumors, uh, you know, tumors of the bug, leukemia, and stuff like that. We've not had the advances in solid tumors. And it, if, if we could get uh, significant increases in survival in these solid tumors, that would be just spectacular.
1: Yeah. You know, there's so much to be said about the progression of the way we view the immune system involving cancers. I think this is going to open up some doors there. Um, you know the technology obviously sounds sound so to speak, um, but I think you know supportive cares, nutrition, you know anything that boosts the immune system, all, all these sort of the culmination of the way we view things. Uh, hopefully, we're coming out of the dark ages. Hopefully, you're part of that because um, you know prior to this, obviously, all all that we've talked about for the last. Decades has been about obliteration of the system of the human body, you know, and hopefully the the host survives and is able to recover um, while we kill everything, right? So, it's now we're starting to think precision. Uh, We're starting to think a little bit smarter, and that in. Uh, has a lot to do with, I think, a lot of people, including you and OS Therapies. And I want to thank you for, for what you're doing and for thinking outside the box and doing as much as you can to push something new and improved into the system, into the medical system. Uh, so hopefully, the next people that take this, you know, torch can do the same in a few years from now or decades from now, what have you. Um, again, this has been. Paul Romness, founder and CEO of OS Therapies, ostherapies.com, for more information. And uh, we, I really enjoyed this. I think there's a lot of hope uh, from this from the show and for families and children. And um, I appreciate your, your work. Thank you so much, Dr. Gannon. It's been a real honor. Yes. If you've missed any portion of the show, it's available via all podcasts. And again, uh, this is brought to you in part by Vell Health, the app that gives you wellness within reach. What ails you today? Download your Bell Health app today via Google Play or Apple apps. See you next time.